You're a name brand in this city. Like they just know yes. it. Can you imagine having a successful business when it's not even your passion? I don't really identify with my company. You didn't go through a formal education for this. I still don't think I know what I'm doing sometimes. Welcome to the Carmali Exchange. I'm Faisal Carmali, and I'm excited to have my guest here. I've got Holly Singer, founder of Milk Jar Candle Company. Now, I really want to get right into this because we actually worked together a little bit at one of my events that we had last year. You're one of our, our expert speakers there. And there was one thing that you said that I think really stuck with me that I want to kind of drill down on. There was one part where you said, and I want to, I have your quote here. My business isn't my passion or purpose. My business helps me achieve my passion. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. What did you mean when you said that? Well, I think, you know, on when you just look at Milk Jar, when people see what we are, it's a candle company. We manufacture candles and diffusers. We wholesale them. We retail them. Uh, we teach candle making workshops, but that really isn't what the heart of Milk Jar is. The candles and diffusers are a vehicle kind of to a greater purpose that I wanted to achieve for myself and my career that a while ago I didn't think I was going to be able to. Working with people with disabilities was really the path I wanted to take after my kinese degree. I wanted to be an occupational therapist, mm -hmm. applied for a master's, didn't get in. Uh, mm -hmm. The story is that I partied too much in university. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was a pretty good student, but... Um, and uh, so I really didn't see myself as an entrepreneur or, but I do love making candles. I love crafting. And then when I was making candles for a little bit, uh, just at home and giving them to friends, I was like, could I use this to, you know, achieve that purpose that I wanted for myself and in my life and feel like I'm giving my gifts and, you know, lifting up others in our community that maybe don't have the same access and the same voice. So it's more than just a candle company and... I don't really, I've said this to people too, I don't really identify with my company, okay. which I think a lot of business owners can struggle with. Sometimes their identity is the company that mm -hmm. they started. And I think that puts so much pressure on the company being successful. Yeah. And I've never put that pressure on my company. So it was just so effortless. It, it's always been fun. It's always been creative. It's always like, let's see what we can do. And if it works, amazing. If it doesn't, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I know that... This company is, uh, I'm very proud of it, but it's not who I am. Yeah. Um, but I've put in, you know, so much of what I love and care about into it. And yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so you and I differ in our businesses that you didn't go through a formal education for this. No. Um, you didn't even go to business school. Yeah. Right. You went to Kinesis. You, uh, you got involved with a family that mm -hmm. connected you to think about your passion or your purpose behind it. Yeah. I went through school in my business, learned it up the, the hard way. I had to build my craft, and so I, I've been identifying myself around that. So we differ mm -hmm. in that piece, but where we have similarities is that there's been families that have impacted us. And we want to drive for that. So tell me a bit more about that, that family, that boy yeah. and that mom who, who connect with you. And that's kind of where the yeah. driver of that purpose went. Yeah. So it was in my kinesis degree that I had a practicum uh, in one of my classes and it was doing pool therapy with a boy with cerebral palsy and his mom. The practicum was only supposed to last four months. 
And I enjoyed it so much that we ended up swimming together for seven years, from the time he was 13 to 20 years old. And that's when I found this love and passion for creating opportunities and assisting and making, helping make accommodations for people to help themselves. It's not doing things for people. It's uh, creating that opportunity because, you know, we all come from different paths and backgrounds and, you know, this world is harder for some people than others. And I feel like it's our human duty to be a community and identify when some people don't have the same access as us and do what we can to help lift them up. The amount of money that this company has (laughs) supported the cause if I understand correctly, we're around close to $300,000, if not more. Getting there. No, not Well, I'd love that. I think by the end of this year, though, we will be over. We're about probably now over two fifty, dollars so quarter million. And that worked out as basically $1 per product went to this. So think about the number of units you have to sell. We poured a lot of candles. <laughs> holy cow. Like, holy. Yeah. like, And so that's where... When I posted on LinkedIn, I added a survey and I said, okay, what do you want to know from Holly? Mm-hmm. And of course, you're a name brand in this city. People know about your name brand. Like they just know yes. it. <laughs> You've done a great job at getting involved uh, in, in this business, but it's, it's a household name now. And the entrepreneurs wanted to know, how, does it, how do you get into retail? How did you actually get in there? How did you get your product on the shelf? How did you make that happen? Because... We have to remember 270 some thousand dollars are gone to this cause because you're selling one unit at a time. Yeah, and the wholesale, I would say our wholesale is a huge part of our business, probably 60% of our revenue. So um, it started off small with the local boutiques here. Mm-hmm. And now we've kind of been in some wholesalers such as Blush Lane, some grocery stores. We just recently got our candles in a Loblaws Canadian Superstore. Look at that. Yeah, in Ontario. And if that goes well, hopefully we can get in a few more. But they're starting a bit of a local initiative, which is very cool. But it's been a bit of a snowball effect, I would say. And it's obviously making a great product that works well and people love. But I really believe it's because our story is different. These candles are, are different than... You know, most other candles that are out there, other people sell candles, but we sell milk jars. That's what I say. Excellent. (laughs) It's the passion and the purpose behind it. It's, we kind of have this uh, kind of name for us now since we rebranded is we're the Feel Gooder Candle Co. Uh, So we donate a dollar and we also are an inclusive company. So a quarter of our staff at Milk Jar uh, have a disability that help make the beautiful product. So we're creating job opportunities in our company. And it's, it's really, I think, the reason why we've been really attractive to people. And with getting into retail for the, that question, we didn't really do anything to push it, I would say. This is kind of a funny, funny answer, but we just, we knew who we were. We pushed it forward. We walked the talk and we've... We have so much purpose in our company that I think shines through and there's so much authenticity as well. We're not doing something for the sake of to, to make a sale. Mm-hmm. We're doing something to actually change, hopefully, businesses and how they hire. And that authenticity has shone through. And, you know, it's I think that's why wholesalers have been attracted to us and people. I'm, I'm sure that some wholesalers have approached us because they've had customers being like, oh, you should carry milk jar. Mm. Um, we've actually never 
really approached any wholesaler to carry us. Okay, so let's kind of break yeah. this down because I think some people who want to enter into, into yes. the businesses, they're learning that, okay, I have a product. Yep. I want it on a shelf at a retail store. Mm -hmm. That's direct to retail. You're, that's door knocking every boutique, every business from your end. If we were to follow you yeah. in the early days with a camera, yeah. is that what you did? You actually knocked on doors and said, hey, we've got, this is our story, put our product on your shelf. Is that how it worked? I, no. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my first wholesaler I got into was a shop called Meraki Supply Co. in Kensington. Okay. And how I entered into that space was I brought in some candles and I was looking for a shelf to buy to set up my market collective booth. And I brought in two candles and I was putting them in all these shelves that they had <laughs> in their shop. And the store owner was like, hey, what's what's that? And I was like, oh, it's uh, it's my candle company I started. And then the, the owner was like, oh, we're looking for a candle. Can I see it? What's your wholesale? And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what wholesale means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so... Uh, and then after that, she carried us for, I think, like three years after that. And I would say we, a lot of markets, getting, having an opportunity to sell your product, talk about your product, um, share with people what makes it different, that really helped us build a brand in Calgary because we really first just tapped into Calgary. We really didn't get into wholesalers in BC or Ontario for probably that first year. Mm -hmm. uh, we just started small and worked our way and chipped away at it. It was attending markets, you know, Kensington Market, Night Markets, the Inglewood one, all sorts of things just to start building our brand and our name and getting recognized. And then when people would come to our booth and talk to us, I always had my spiel about what made us different. Yeah. Like these candles, they're wood wicks, they're clean burning, um, they're beautifully smelling. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, an, in addition to all that, we donate a dollar to support children's programs um, that support children with disabilities to learn and grow. So I think the, the whole what makes you different, why should someone buy your product versus another product, I think is a really important piece. And I think it really, it really resonated with a lot of people. You know, people people want to feel good about their purchases, and I think we kind of created this feeling that when you buy a milk jar, you know, you it, it does more and it feels gooder. <laughs> <laughs> feels gooder. So it, it does take. You know, we worked. We're, we've been around now six years. We have probably uh, 150 wholesalers, but it's gone small. Like it hasn't been. It's it's chipped away at it little bit by little bit. Since we did the rebrand, it's kind of even chipped away even more. We've been started to get approached by companies in the States mm -hmm. and that's where we're at now. We're trying to mark, tap into that US market where we've never before. Um, and organizations and sorry, um, websites like Fair Wholesale, yeah. that has been a platform that has really helped wholesalers find us. So you, if we were following you with that camera, mm -hmm. you basically stocked the shelves yourself, <laughs> yeah. got that first wholesale uh, contract. Mm -hmm. uh, and then how would you get number two, number three, number 20? Mm -hmm. how, did, how did that work? I created a website. I built my first website in my it was in my history of nursing class, actually. Yeah. I was in nursing when I started Milk Jar. <laughs> and it was a square space, built it on my own, got some nice photography. That was a huge piece, was investing in not my cell phone camera mm -hmm. pictures and bringing in a photographer so that I had content for about a month to post. And I had some great photos for the website that I had. And I created a form 
where it was, if you would like to wholesale, you can fill out this form about information about your company and direct to my email. So I made it very easy for if people went to my website, they were able to find uh, find a way to contact me so about wholesale. So actually went to you more than you knocking on doors. Yes. Yeah, and I made it very, very easy. And, you know, I took an SEO course too. Okay. So how to increase your search engine optimization. I distributed Canadian Candle Company throughout my website everywhere. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> I figured I was trying to put my mind in the mind of a wholesaler. Okay, what are, if I was a wholesaler, let's say in Ontario, and I have a store and I'm looking for a new candle company or like to carry, what would I probably type in? It's like, well, I'd probably want to not pay American dollars. So I'd probably be looking for a Canadian. Mm-hmm. So I, I added, put the word Canadian candle company throughout my website, which really boosted it, I think, yep. allowed people to search us. There's been quite a few podcasts and articles now written about our company, which backlink to our website, which really helps with your SEO. So I do think now we get searched quite a bit. And I wouldn't say, I think Instagram was really helpful in the beginning. Um, But even now our Instagram, like our engagement's not as high as it was a few years ago. Um, That's kind of the way it's gone. Uh, We still post all the time on Instagram, but it's not really the the bread and butter. We we do some advertising on it too, but I think uh, trying to chip away at all those facets, you know, to try to allow people to come see you and come come search you and find you as well. So Holly, um a few months ago, I, I had the opportunity to uh, interview Aaron, who, who had a question for me as part of the interview, which is interesting. And I, I want to play that question for you and get your take on it, because um, I think you'll have some good insight on this one. Let's take a look. How fast should a business expand? So I'm sort of in this position where there's a lot of different opportunities to expand, you know, for how much we're producing, for who we're selling to. but how much of a foundation should I have before I sort of look at that expanding? Oh, that is, that is a question all the time for every entrepreneur. I feel like even for us, we have that question sometimes, like how fast is too fast? Um, You, I would say that if you feel solid in your production, in the amount you can produce, and that's, you just have to really look at your company and really do a deep dive into like, Hey, hypothetically, let's say, I need to make 50,000 units and this, these grocery stores need them by the end of this month or whatever, or they need it within 60 days. Um, do you have the capacity to do that? And what things can you put in place to get there? If it's looking like people love your company, love what you're doing, the feedback's incredible, you're slow, it is building just like us. Um, maybe getting a, a space is something that you'll have to work on because you do not want to uh, miss out on an opportunity and you kind of need to build not when you're bursting at the seams. That's that's what I kind of waited for. Yeah. Um, but it's nice when you're kind of at your at your max level where you are, and it feels when you're a little nervous to take that next step into renting a space, buying equipment, investing in your company. It feels a little bit better versus, let's say, a company like uh, starting out brand new that has to open a restaurant and they don't even know if people are going to go. Yeah. Like it's it's nice when you can start in your home or small or with renting a space, kind of a co-op. Uh, you can see, do people love it? Are your sales consistent? Is it, Are they increasing even just a little bit? Are you going to markets and people are buying your stuff? Or, you know, is, how is the feedback on the quality of the product? 
and and not just from your friends and family, from strangers. Correct. What do strangers think of your product? That's the biggest thing because your friends and family may not always be honest with you. Yeah. And if it's there, if your product is sound and you think you got something, kind of work your way, grow, expand as much as you can where you are. And then when you know, you got to trust your gut on this. When you know it's time to, to look for a space and expand, invest, uh, you got to jump on it too. And for, there's a story that I have of, you know, that I expanded at the right time. I remember I was so nervous to move milk chair out of my home because that was the jump that was like, it wasn't buying a wax melter. That was the first little jump where I was like, whoa, I'm spending $3,000 on an item to make candles. Yeah. I must be really doing this. It was after three years working out of my home when I was like, my garage was bursting with oils. My living room, there was no couch. You couldn't sit in it because that's where we were making, I was making candles. And I was like, hey, I think I need a space. I think I need a space. And I got a space big enough that I could grow into as well and expand it if needed. Uh, and the about six months later, after we moved into the space, or not even, I think four months later, I got an opportunity for Milkshire to be in the Jilly box with Jillian Harris. Mm-hmm. And they needed 2,000 candles, um, which, and I think they needed it within a couple months. I at the time had enough glass because I started, was able to order by the pallet size. I was able to, you know, hire staff because I wasn't going to bring a ton of staff into my home. And I was able to accept that opportunity and fulfill it. And that really pushed, you know, awareness of what Milk Jar was, was working with Jillian Harris. If I was working my home, I probably would have had to have said no, because I don't think I could have made 2000 candles on my own in my home. So you can miss out on opportunities when you don't take those next steps to expand. But when you, when you're kind of bursting at the seams a little bit, you just kind of move on to that next phase. So yeah, I don't, but I, I would say little baby steps. Yeah. That's it. You don't, as long as you're going, moving forward, don't do anything that's going to, that's going to put your business in a financial kind of stressful state, sure. you know, of growing too quickly. And, you know, we've gone and grown quickly where, uh, I didn't have maybe the temperatures of my candles dialed in. I didn't have, I didn't know what the space was going to do to my candles when it was winter time when we were by a loading dock door. And actually that is something that happened with the Jilly candle. We poured those during December and my space where I was pouring was right by a loading dock where it was really cold and breeze was coming in. So all the candles pulled. So I had never experienced that before, but because I was just rushing and not doing my testing appropriately, there was a lot of candles I had to fix. (laughs) So, but you learn from situations Mm -hmm. like that. So, uh, you know, I would say, you know, how, how quick you can grow, what you can handle and what you're willing to, you know, how much you're willing to invest and put into it. Make sure you take time for yourself. My business partner and I, when we talked about our growth and how we wanted to do it, um, everything you said, bang on. One thing that we wanted to make sure is that we never lost our integrity mm-hmm. and, and we never lost what our true purpose behind the brand was. And I find that a lot of businesses go from, a, they have a certain viewpoint or a purpose mm-hmm. and they slowly lose that just to make sales. Yep. And I'm glad that you haven't done that. And I think that's one piece that a lot of entrepreneurs can definitely have. Uh, to learn from. Sales are important, but uh, I mean, if you don't have sales, you don't have a company. Yep. 
and then you can't do the thing that your company allows you to do, which is your platform and awareness that you can bring. So it's, it's a balance. It's like synergy, you know? You can't lose sales and you can't lose the purpose, right? You gotta always be thinking of both. And the purpose is what'll get you out of bed when you lose a bunch of money one day or when you, when you lose a client. Like that's, it's the purpose that keeps you going and doing it every day. If you don't have that, then. And what's that's the, point? the best piece of advice you can give every entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. You have a small, Retail location mm-hmm. in your in your plant, factory, your factory. Yeah, plant. <laughs> um, what made you decide to do that, and and how are sales in that mode? Because now that's direct to customers. Mm-hmm. It's uh, they've actually been quite busy since we started teaching candle making classes because we bring we've we've come up with these ideas of how we can bring people to our factory space. It's where we manufacture out of, so uh, we decided to make a little retail corner. It's in the central northeast, so a little bit off the beaten path. Yeah. Uh, but we do get people coming and visiting Milkshire and coming and buying our product from there. I think some people want to see the factory yeah. in action, so it's that opportunity to look down and sure see where Milkshires are born. You know, yeah. like sure they're local. Yeah. Let's see them. They actually can. Yeah. That's big. And they can meet our staff, and they can see everything that's going on. We have a very cute dog that's there <laughs> usually most days, and we teach, like I said, candle making classes that have become super popular in the last year, which I started two and a half years ago, but only in the last six months, they've really gained a ton of traction um, just with, I think, people posting about them. And we've, we've slowly been trying to figure out how we can make them more engaging, yeah. like getting a liquor license. There you, go. <laughs> you can have wine and make yeah. candles. And, you know, we worked with Frank Architecture to build out the space too, to make it really pretty and zhuzh up in Industrial Bay, we nice. say. So we, on the weekends, we get, yeah, like 15 or 15 or 20 people coming in. They get a discount after their class, so then they get to buy some candles afterwards. That's very similar to, if you look at the winemaking industry, mm-hmm. they did wine tasting. and They had wine tasting rooms. And so people would actually go for a wine tour, do some tasting and go, yeah, I'm going to buy some of your wine, as opposed yeah. to waiting to go to the liquor store to purchase. They can buy direct from... So it's very similar in that approach. What has been the biggest challenge between the two, going out on wholesale and retail in your own shop? Um, what's been the biggest challenge? Well, wholesale, wholesale and retail. I mean, we sell online on our website too, so that's direct to customer. Um, trying to figure out how we can always stay current. I think that's... We, we do come up with new candles. We did do a rebrand, but I think it's that feeling of never never knowing if what you're doing is enough and engaging enough because I think we think people get bored. (laughs) And, but so we, so we definitely spend a lot of time on what can we do that's new? What's a new workshop we can come out with? What's a new candle we can come out with? What's a new way? And it just gets a little bit tiring, I think, after, after a while. But I I think trying to stay fresh and trying to stay current, but, uh, you know, I think it's juggling all the different avenues of revenue we have. So we don't just have B2C and B2B. We teach the candle making classes. So that involves training workshop teachers, scheduling workshop teachers. We run private classes too. So that booking system, like that's a whole new kind of service that we provide. And then we do custom candles. So we private label candles for other businesses. So that's another department where companies, real estate agents reach out to us to get their brand on a candle, choose a scent or develop their own um, and kind of complete that more custom feeling. You can fundraise with Milkshire. So there's a fundraising department. 
Um, and we're a refillery now too, so you can bring your own jar. So we've brought up quite a few uh, leaders at Milk Jar to hopefully run all these little facets of the company, which I would say that has been the most, um, most biggest learning curve for me yeah. is building up leaders to run these different departments of Milk Jar because we have so many offerings that you can do with us and making sure that the customer's taken care of because I'm a very big customer service person. Perfect. And that's really, really important to me. And that, that you know, we were talking before we started this podcast and, and the show, um, you were kind of caught off guard. You were given a few candles to take a bit of a smell test. Yes. And what happened? <laughs> and I got some wrong. It was so funny. They did, first, uh, Cole run, uh, runs their social media and it was his idea to do a blind test with, I think it was three of our staff members. Yeah. And most of them smelt two of them, the little sniff jars, and they got most of them wrong. Okay. And even Ariel, who runs my custom department, she was so confident. She's like sitting like this and she's like, says it so confidently, got it wrong. So I was like being the owner. I was like, oh, I was like, I, I will nail this. Like I know my candles. Most of them, the scents are the originals from when I first developed them. Okay. And yeah, I think I got six out of 10. Okay. Was that a C plus? <laughs> yeah. It's still a pass, but, still a pass. but the first two I got wrong, it was, uh, I think it was like Aurora and I thought it was Dandy. They smell similar, so I got that wrong. Then the next one, I think I got wrong, and then and then I got started getting a few right because I, I think I came into it way too confident. But when you are, when you're blind, man, yeah. it's, this is public information. It's not yeah. like private. It's a real on our Instagram. Correct. Of me. And then you posted it too, like so you're, yeah. you're you're being vulnerable. Yeah, that's very challenging for a lot of business owners. Yeah. Um. So I, I can, I'm going to nerd out for you a bit here. Cool. Um. I used to memorize all the different tax codes and like the marginal rates and everything across the country. And I got challenged. What's the what's the area in Ontario? What's the tax code if you make seventy two thousand dollars? And I got it wrong, and I got embarrassed, and mm -hmm. I turned red, and I'm mm -hmm. like, oh shit, I can't do this again. <laughs> I'm gonna keep my mouth shut from now on. Yeah, I wouldn't have never posted if we had it. Back, yeah. I would have never posted that on Instagram really? on a reel because I'd be embarrassed. But yeah. you had no problem doing no that. Problem. I think so, it makes people connect with me more. Yeah. Yeah. Like today, yeah, I'll say okay, I don't know it. <laughs> But that, that takes a lot of intestinal fortitude to say, hey, I'm going to actually, I got it wrong. Let's tell the public that I can get it wrong too. What does that say about your business, your brand, and then yourself? We're very gentle on ourselves, like 100%. I would say that's the biggest thing as a business owner. I've, from the beginning, I still don't think I know what I'm doing sometimes. But I, I know my intuition, though, I fully trust when something feels good, when something feels right, um, it's never led me astray. But I will get things wrong. I will, you know, do go about things maybe an incorrect way and I'll learn from it. And we really insert that into our company too with our staff that it's okay to get things wrong. Um, you know, we can talk about it, we'll give feedback, and then the only the only next step is to, you know, learn from it. It doesn't mean who you are is, you know less than or that you know you're not capable of doing this i want to show people too that like anybody can do something as long as they have a passion in it and they can really authentically speak to it but yeah we're, we're very gentle on ourselves i think then i'm not scared of failure because i'm there i, I failed that real yeah. <laughs> i failed the smell smell test as a but it's uh yeah it's it's not a big deal people fail all the time yeah, yeah. and it won't stress me out <laughs> 
while we're on the topic, do you want to do a little smell, a smell test right now? Yeah. yeah. Holly, you want to pick up three? Yes. Okay, so let's do the smell test. Okay, I'm going to pick three that are like easy. When you do the, the blind smell test, you're trying to identify the brand name or what the actual, because well, we, I'm terrible Yes, with the name. So one is, I'll, I'll give you the names ahead of time and I'll do three of them with you. Okay. So one is Hawaii. Okay. One is Dandy. My first candle I ever made, and one is Sunnyside. Okay. So, Hawaii Dandy or Sunnyside. So, you should I'm probably. I'm thinking of alcohol. That's yeah. what I'm thinking of right now. <laughs> what different liquors yeah. are they right now? So, with them, we were trying to say the names, but uh, you don't have to say what's inside. But which one do you think is Hawaii Dandy or Sunnyside? Perfect. Okay. okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. would be dandy i would say not even close <laughs> not even close that was hawaii that was hawaii yeah plumerian lilac can i have another smell of that because i it was hmm it's not like the beachy you probably thought it was going to be like coconut Coconutty, yes that's what I, when you said hawaii that's what i thought yeah. it's a plumerian lilac so it's got a bit of calgary flower in it mm. some lilacs but plumeria is the flower in the hawaiian lay okay, okay. all right Okay. So now the remaining two are yeah, dandy or sunny side. And this one is oh. Ooh. Okay. Hmm. I'd say that one's sunny side. Again, I got that what? one too. <laughs> I'm o for three. This smells very dandy. Very dandy. Very dandy. Very it dandy. Very mahogany, firewood, and pine. <laughs> I mean, if you didn't know what they were, so, kind of. <laughs> so let me give you another story about. Yeah. So. When, when we start off our business, we did workshops as well. The workshop, we, we, we call it a seminar. People would come in and we would do wine tasting. Yeah. So that would get people in. You know, we'd have, a, we'd have a, uh, a sommelier talking about the wines and you can smell this, this type of fruit or it's earthy. And, and I'm like, all I smell is wine. wine yeah. I can't smell any of this stuff. I'm terrible at these Good things. Good thing you're not a candle maker. Good thing. <laughs> Your palate is not very refined. No, it's but... not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, last one. This is what Sunnyside was. Ooh. So paranectarine. I do smell do the pear. Get, yeah. I don't smell the nectarine though. Mm. <laughs> this is like the village brewery. <laughs> oh yes, I was brutal. Yeah. So, same thing, yeah. I was like, yes. we're at village brewery, and what do you think of it? I'm like, oh god, this is. So, what we expected to happen happened. Yeah. You got them wrong. Yeah. And how do you feel about it? I'm okay. Yeah, you're okay. See, I'm okay. you're still alive. Because as a as a as a purchaser, I'd be like, what do you think? And you say, buy these, and I'd be like, okay, let's yeah. do that. Mm -hmm. And now my my house will smell Hawaiian. Perfect. Exactly. It'll take you. Well, your sense of smell is your strongest sense link to memory. Mm -hmm. So it can kind of take you somewhere. Yeah. Which I love. You were talking about, um, you know, some of the challenges that you felt that it's okay to get it wrong because you're, you have some grace for yourself. And I think there's a lot of businesses who have got it wrong when they've come across the border here in Canada. We can talk about mm -hmm. the large retail American companies who thought they could come in and, and it'd be just like the mm -hmm. States and it wasn't. They shut down. Going across the border to the U.S., a lot of Canadian companies get it wrong as well. Um, and so what are the things that you're preparing for as you go across the border into a country that may have a bit different culture, different approach than what you do or what we have here in Canada? How do you prepare for that so that you don't get it wrong as you cross the border? We're, we're starting slow. We're not, you know, jumping into, you know, a retailer with, you know, 200 locations right off the bat. Um, we're making sure that this rebrand too, 
is well received in Canada, where you know our home and where you know we can have a little bit more flexibility in shipping and things like that. You know, get that we've been now calling all of our wholesalers to get the feedback on anything that we need to improve upon and what they think. But starting small has been the best, and then just easing into it. Nothing. Uh, we we also are building our stock. I would say that is the biggest thing. We're preparing now to not. Uh, overwhelm ourselves because mm-hmm. we last Christmas we were making to order again as we always do um, and right now like I said we're planning Christmas we're but this is the first year we're almost coming into my year seven and I'm still learning so much we now are planning Christmas whereas you know business owners can give you so much advice and you're always I feel like business owners can get bombarded almost with advice yeah. and then you they don't know what to do yeah um, you have to do what is best for you and you almost have to make the mistakes to learn from them yourself. So you really understand, uh, what, what you're willing to do and what you're willing not to do again. And then you come up with the plan and practice on how to, you know, make the changes and go. It's a, it's a journey, right? And so right now we're building our stock. Right now we have like, I think 7,000 candles in stock at Milk Jar, mm. which we've never had before. If we were slow, we mm. would just be like, okay, everyone on vacation. And then all of a sudden Christmas comes and we're scrambling. Scrambling. So that was something I took from last year that we weren't going to do that again. And so now we're building our stock so we can, if we do get a big wholesaler, if we do get that opportunity mm-hmm. to go into somewhere, we're not going to be scrambling or have to say no to it because it'll be too hard for us to make that many candles with what they need. The U.S. is very different regionally. Yeah. When you look at their population, you look at the different parts of the United States, certain areas will connect with your story and certain areas of the country won't. Mm-hmm. How do you determine... What kind of intel research are you doing to find out, you know, where where can you draw the biggest connection or, or empathy from, from people and then connection so that they can say, yeah, I'm going to buy your brand because I, I see what you see. <laughs> we look at a map and see where people voted. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> no, kidding. I'm kidding. I have a kind of. <laughs> we actually did do that, I think, last year when we we're looking at who to which maybe states to reach out to who maybe our company would really resonate with them um, because we are very inclusive and very welcoming of all people. And we did look at which kind of states were more blue and which ones were more red. And then we also look at the weather as well. Where would people probably be burning the most candles? Maybe not so much in, you know, Nevada (laughs) where it's super hot because really it's the colder climates where it's candle season more often. Um, But we do have diffusers. So uh, that are more kind of an all year round type of type of purchase. But uh, it's kind of that, you know, Oregon, you know, California for sure, New York, um, but kind of moving around that kind of space and looking there to reach out to to see if we would make a connection and we would our company would resonate. And that's a big thing for business owners when they decide to expand or go into markets that they're not aware of in, in, because they're not there physically. Um, they need to do the bit of a research on how is that audience, that customer base going to connect with my brand mm-hmm. um, versus altering the brand to connect with the customer. Yeah. And so I like the fact that you've you've done some background and, and, and political affiliation or how people see things when it comes to politics does give you some insight on how your product or your business will grow. There's a lot of businesses, especially in food and beverages, that will have certain areas that they will not touch at all Mm -hmm. 
because it doesn't match with what they're trying to accomplish. So um, kudos to you on that. Where can people go out besides your website, of course, and um, let's support those retail businesses that are supporting you. Where can they go out um, in the city to to connect with you and buy some of your product? Yeah, well, we do. Our workshop is in the central northeast, kind of near uh, Common Crown Brewery and Tribute in that industrial area near yep. Marlboro. So you're welcome to come there. That's and then, my home area, Marlboro. I grew yeah. up in that. <laughs> <laughs> if you go on our website, we do have a map too. Perfect. So you can see all the shops that we wholesale in Calgary. So yeah, we're kind of all over in little pockets. We love the boutiques, like the little privately owned boutiques. Are, Perfect. Are kind of our bread and butter. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much you're for joining welcome. us, Leon. Thank you. It was really lovely to be here. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for more from the Carmali Exchange. And you can also follow me on social media at Faisal Carmali, where we can continue the business conversation.